Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize. For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and streamed show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views, opinions or position of film and TV review.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates. Film and TV review.com makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only. Episodes may contain adult humor and language. For full terms and conditions see film and TV review.com. Hello and welcome to the film and TV review.com podcast. Today is our review of 2022. I'm James. I'll be your host alongside Richard. And we have a Zoom room full of people eager to share their favourite or worst films and TV shows of the year. So, Richard, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, gladly, gladly. Uh, so I did my homework. Um, so, yeah, a long year uh, of movies and TV shows. Uh, I did a lot of catch up in the last couple of weeks, actually, because I think I missed not in TV shows, but in movies, I missed a lot of things. And uh, so, yeah, everything is still very uh, fresh in my mind. So that's the good news. Um, I have kind of, I'll be very time conscious, so I, I assure you, but I have, I think, 10-ish to mention uh, movies and 10-ish TV shows to mention. Uh, for the movies, uh, in no particular order, um, I really enjoyed the, the Doctor Strange movie earlier this year. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I guess would be in a lot of people's lists. Um, again, not very surprising, Top Gun Maverick. Um, 
then maybe not really blockbuster movies, but uh, in, again, recently my catch-up, I really enjoyed Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro. You can find on Netflix. I thought it was pretty great. Um, Glass Onion, another Netflix um, production, if I'm not mistaken. And then two more independent movies, if I can use that word. Um, so The Menu with Ralph Fiennes, which was an extremely good surprise. If you haven't seen the trailer, if you didn't know anything about this movie like I did, it was a great, great surprise. Uh, didn't know what to expect. And yeah, that was really good two hours. Uh, and also uh, Nope. Uh, I'm not a very fan of horror movies, but in that case, it's an exception because I thought it was very well done. Um, and finally, The Banshees of Indishirin, recommended by James back in the day. And uh, that was also an amazing surprise. What a great movie as well. And uh, finally, uh, so I don't know how to pronounce it. So I think everybody will have difficulties to pronounce this one. Uh, let's call it Triple R, uh, <laughs> a Bollywood movie. Uh, it is also uh, something that everybody has been talking about for the last, I don't know, two, three months. And I know why, because I really enjoyed it. And for the final movie reference of my list, just for joking around, and because it was a great movie experience for all the wrong reasons, I mentioned Moonfall by Ronald Emmerich. <laughs> That's just a joke of it. And for the TV shows, um, I've been busy in TV shows and I love The Sandman, adaptation by Love, Stranger Things. More of a divisive opinion, I did enjoy a lot of The Rings of Power on Amazon, but I know that people, some people hated it. I don't know why people can hate it. I don't why people don't like it, but why can you, why should you hate it anyway? Um, another not surprising mention here is The Boys, but I haven't watched The Boys until quite recently when I did like a, a marathon and watched the first three seasons when the first season was released. And I thought it was pretty amazing. I couldn't take, I didn't expect again something like that, not knowing anything about the show. I thought it was just another superhero TV show, and it wasn't. It's very different from what you can expect, uh, definitely for adults and not for children, uh, if I may say. But uh, yeah, very serious. Uh, I really also like the political uh, subtext in it, uh, so I recommend it. And uh, if I can end this list with so little mention of a comedy with Will Arnett called Murder, Murderville, I think that's the name on Netflix. I found it uh, extremely funny because I think Will Arnett is a funny guy, but he's also kind of an impro, uh, improvised uh, TV show uh, with guest stars like Conan O'Brien and uh, I think the guy from the Angover movies. It was funny. Um, and also special mention to Endor. For someone who knows me in this meetup, I'm not a very good defender of the Star Wars movies and TV shows in the Disney era. But I have to say that uh, they proved me wrong with Endor, which is an amazing TV show, really, really one of the top of the, of the list this year, uh, with an amazing soundtrack that I keep listening to. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. And I uh, finish my uh, five minutes a little over four, my five minutes with uh, a disappointment that I mentioned uh, to some of these people here. I was looking forward to a TV show called 1899 on Netflix, looking forward for, to it for months because it's the producers and creators of Dark, which is one of the best TV shows ever made. And uh, it is 
1899 is also very mysterious, very mind-bending or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's extremely bad written. It's, uh, it, there is nothing original about the ideas uh, in uh, 1899, in my opinion, and the dark was full of original ideas. So in a way, it's unfortunate that it has been canceled, but in a way it's also good news that it has been canceled because maybe I, people like me, when we enjoy that can forget about 1899 as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, I must still get round to Moonfall because you said it was a bad film, but very, <laughs> very enjoyable. Yes. Um, if you enjoyed the menu, um, the, the trailer I felt gave away a lot. Um, so it was a little bit of a disappointment for me because I pretty much knew the whole plot. Um, but there's a film that came out this year, Triangle of Sadness, which is sort of mm -hmm. in a similar, similar themes. I do recommend that. Um, okay. There's uh, two sort of serious films that come out this year, Mass, which is about uh, gun violence in the US, and Aisha about um, immigration in the in Ireland. Um, I thought were really good. I agree with you. The Banshees of Inner Sheeran is one of the best films of the year. Um, hopefully, I'll get to talk about that at the Oscars uh, meetup, though, because I think that'll probably be up for some, some Oscars this year. The Sean Bean and Nicola Walker drama Marriage, I thought was probably the best thing I saw on TV this year. Um, just lots of mundanity, but a real sense of sort of touching sense of togetherness that they show in that, that drama. Um, Peacemaker as well on HBO Max, uh, the spin-off from The Suicide Squad, which was one of my favourite films from last year. I, I was not sure whether it would work, but it worked really, really well. Um, and it's got the best opening title sequence of, of just any TV show in living memory. Um, but my favourite film of the year was The Worst Person in the World, um, directed by Joachim Trier uh, for part of his thematically um, connected Oslo trilogy. It's a Norwegian film that opened in the UK uh, in late March. And it's sort of best described maybe as a black comedy drama or perhaps an anti-rom-com um, about a woman who's experiencing a quarter-life crisis, I suppose. Um, so Julie, uh, played by Renate Reinsvi, I think is how you pronounce her name, is a woman in her late 20s and she appears to be someone who keeps moving from career to career and doesn't really stick with anything, much to her mother's frustration. Uh, she's in a relationship with an older man, a celebrity comic book artist called Axel. And although they seem happy together, cracks begin to appear in their marriage as Axel wants children, but Julie doesn't. And the question is, is this because she's younger and doesn't feel ready? Does she have a fear of commitment? Or does she simply just want other things from life? Um, and it's a really good, it is a real world drama, but there's these really great sort of wonderful surreal sequences sprinkled throughout, a bit like Train Spotting. Um, it's presented in 12 chapters. It's got a great script, great cast. It's very funny, really sad in places, but very sort of thought provoking. It really stays with you afterwards. Um, it's got really nice cinematography. There's a sequence in it, which I only found out today wasn't done by CGI. It was done practically, which is quite impressive as well, I think. And like my favourite film of last year, Another Round, which is currently on Netflix, um, I think it's an incredibly non-judgmental film, um, which is sort of a nice contrast with the title. It's also got a very unusual un-Hollywood ending, um, which I won't go into because I don't want to spoil it, but that is called The Worst Person in the World, and it's currently on Mubi in the UK. Um, okay. I shall go to Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Do you have your choices for 2022, even, please? I mean, 2002 was a good year, but... 
funny. Yeah, I'm just kind of. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so one film I did like this year was that was really good was called uh, She Said, uh, and that's about these two reporters for the New York Times who basically, again, based off real events, uh, broke open the whole uh, sex abuse scandal involving Harvey Weinstein. That's really what kicked off the Me Too movement. So the reporters in the movie are played by Zoe Kazan and uh, Carrie Mulligan. And uh, after watching it, it's kind of not just about Harvey Weinstein specifically, but also kind of hard to go back and watch um, Miramax films because it's like just how much he was allowed to get away with by the company. So, yeah, I know there's a lot of people involved in making films and artists and all that. So, but I'm just saying, like, it, it wasn't just him getting away with by himself. It's just that he was enabled by other people. Uh, and so that was another film that I saw this year that I liked. And then another film that kind of came and went, it's a bit more unusual, was The Bones and All. It's sort of like a mix of horror and drama, but I would say it's more of like a drama about this girl who's a teenager. She learns that she has, I guess, cannibalistic tendencies. And it's something that she's inherited from her, uh, her mom and her uh, ancestors. So she's trying to survive, uh, meet, and she meets up with other people that have these tendencies. I mean, it's it's not really horror in the traditional sense because it's a mix of you know relationship drama and a person just trying to survive and find find their identity. And it's also set in the 1980s, so I think there's a little bit of that there of like why we're setting in that decade. Uh, and which brings me to my final thing is to mention the because I know people will talk a lot about this is the MCU. Uh, I would say my favorite things from the MCU this year are the uh, one off specials uh because uh one you don't really need to see anything else to understand it and the other you kind of do uh one is the halloween special werewolf by night based off the comics the same name you don't really need to see other stuff to understand it i thought it was a good nod to like old style universal and hammer horror it's done in black and white the special yeah, that's not perfect. There's little things there that kind of go, hmm. but I thought it was entertaining you know, and good way to introduce new characters into the MCU. And the other one was, of course, the Christmas special with Guardians of the Galaxy that you certainly need to see, not just the Guardians films, but also the Infinity War, Endgame, all that stuff to understand it. Pretty fun to watch. But also at the same time, there's some drama there too. And you really feel for the characters and you kind of wonder what's going to happen. At the end of it. I guess it'll be the final film to uh, that series. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, so I'll just end there, so. Cool, thank you, Andrew. Um, Alan, long time no speak. Are you there? Yes, I'm here, and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy um, New Year. I, um, I made a list of the list of the films I did like and the films I didn't like this year. And the film Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, it was quite disappointing and was just like a an advertisement for Kristen Dior, I think. And then The Northman was disappointing. And just last week, I seen Corsage or Corsage or whatever. And I think it's, it's disappointing as well. So hopefully it isn't the shape of things to come. Corsage is a bit of a, a send up of the Duchess. It's in the style of the Duchess, but um, it's just a bit more shall we say, un unpolished, I think. So that was 
my latest viewing. The ones I did note this year, um, which were exceptional, was um, James mentioned the the uh, the menu, which was very good, um, unusual and different, is what it was. Uh, perhaps a little bit long, but it was it was enjoyable. Boiling Point is a good uh, film this year. Um, I think basically because it was unique in that it was done in one take, or it was supposed to be done in one take. And um, Men was another film which quite impressed me. Um, again, something unusual about that was the fact that one actor played five parts in the film, which hasn't been done in quite some time. Um, it used to be a bit of a gimmick in the 70s and 80s on television. But it um, was interesting this year um, on the cinema. Where the Crawdad Sing was good and My Policeman was good. And, um, and that was it. It wouldn't be uh, fair if I didn't mention Belfast, having come from here. Um, I liked it, but a tremendous amount of people in Belfast didn't like it, mainly because they just were critical of the accents and the locations. But I thought personally, it was refreshing to show a film about Northern Ireland, which did not show the violence and the um, cruelty, which happens in the province in the 60s and 70s. So Belfast for me was, was special and um, Yes, some of the some of the accents were a bit ropey. There's no doubt, but it was good, and uh, Kenneth Branagh made a good a good job of it. And then the other one to close is My Policeman, which was a good uh, film um, featuring Mr. Styles, of course, and that was um, pretty good, I have to say. So Crawdad Singh, Boiling Point, Belfast, Men. My policemen are my favourites for 2022. So we'll move on to Sean. Hello. So what I did do last year, I went to the BFI London Film Festival and I saw a few good films there. So I just want to mention some of the ones I saw there. So I went to the premiere of Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's one. I mean, yeah, I'm a massive stop motion fan. So uh, obviously I absolutely loved it. Um, stop motion is well, that's what I want to want to do one day, really. So I absolutely love that film. I haven't seen Disney's version of it, as in the Tom Hanks recent one, but apparently that's terrible. But so maybe I should stay away. <laughs> and uh, yes, also at the uh, BFI Film Festival, I went to see The Good Nurse, which is the uh, Netflix film with Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. And yeah, I think that was very good. That was a story about, a true story about a nurse in America who was basically murdering his patients. And it was about the, the nurse played by Jessica Chastain who had discovered it and brought him to the police. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a very good film. Solid eight out of 10. Um, so I'd suggest that for anyone if you've not seen it yet. Um, another one... Uh, so at the film festival was a, a an indie film from a new director, which many of you may not have heard of, called Clock and Luder. Um, it's annoying. I didn't check the director's name, but um, 
but yeah, it was a good film. It was about these. It was about someone who works for the government who found out some secret information, and because they didn't want him to share it to the world, he had to go to the countryside and stay away in case he got, I don't know, killed or whatever. And I mean, yeah, that was a decent film. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd recommend that one. And I also went to see Sam Mendes's Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light, which again was good. Um, after seeing, you know, his other films, I'd say it's not quite up to. It's not quite as good as his other work. However, it is still a good, solid film to watch. Obviously, you've got Olivia Coleman in it. And as usual, she's very good in it. Um, so yeah, I just gave that seven out of ten. Not bad. So other than the film festival, what else have I seen? The House, which came out early last year on Netflix, another stop motion film. It's sort of done in three parts. However, there's a version which they're all together. So I think it counts as a movie. Um, but, but yeah, that's another stop motion. It's sort of like a dark, quirky kind of drama. And uh, it's got animals as the main character living in these strange houses where strange things go on. And that's on Netflix as well, which I thought was very good. You know, that was one of my favourite films of the year. And another one that came out early last year as well was Cyrano with Peter Dinklage, um, which was very good. However, I think many people had an issue where, possibly due to dodgy advertising, where when we went into the cinema, we discovered it was actually a musical. And I didn't realise it was, but <laughs> but it was still a good film. The music wasn't amazing in it, but the story and the acting I thought was very good and the direction of it. So I thought that was a good film. And uh, yeah, but like many, my favourite film that I watched last year was probably Everything Everywhere All At Once. Um, yeah, not much more to say on that because I think everyone loved that one. And uh, maybe you did, I don't know. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, in terms of TV, I watch. I don't watch much TV, but I'm a big fan of Stranger Things, so I did love, obviously, the latest season of that. I thought that was very good, possibly the best season so far. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. I think that's most, yeah, that's mostly all the best films I saw. Because um, mostly it was, like, it was a good year for movies, I'd say. I wouldn't say there was anything I hated watching. It was all just sort of either good, average, or yeah, pretty good, good job. Um, like nothing was incredible, greatest film I've ever seen, but it was all, yeah, all decent. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Um, it's disappointing to know about Empire of Light because I was in Margate when that was being filmed and we weren't allowed on the fairgrounds for my brother Stag do, which he was very upset about. <laughs> And I thought, well, at least if there's a good film at the end of it, it's going to be, you know, because I love 1917. That was one of my favourite films of a couple of years ago. But um, it's still to open. I think there's been previews in the UK, but it opens here on the 13th. So I'll probably still go and have a look, but I won't won't get my hopes up. You're not the only one who was surprised that uh, Cyrano was a musical. <laughs> I had the same issue. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know. And after five minutes, I said, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> because it's singing all along. Anyway. <laughs> CJ, you're, you're with us. Do you want yeah, to go hi. through your uh, choices of 2022? Uh, yeah, sure. I want to say nope. UFOs, um, strange set of events, um, 
and also an underlying message about Hollywood is in the film, which is really nice and clever. For me, it's Jordan Peele's best movie. I know a lot of people like um, Get Out. Um, I thought Get Out was really good, but I just something about this film was just a lot different. I liked the way they, sh- they showed the extraterrestrial in this one. It, it was kind of really unique. And uh, probably my favorite film, uh, which I kind of saw in the cinema, um, was Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think this is one of Tom Cruise's best films. I think I've mentioned it before, saying that always forgiven with the dark universe nonsense that he was trying to do. Um, this was just really fun. The cinematography was really like nice, engaging, and it was real, you know? And um, yeah, it was a really good film. It was one of the few films where I can genuinely say you have to watch it in the cinema. Moonfall, I know Richard's favorite film over here. Moonfall. Um, this film is just dumb. You can watch it to make fun of it, but it's it's just a stupid film. Morbius, Jared Leto playing a superhero vampire. Just complete, I think he just, I mean, like, I'm not surprised this is a Sony film. I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to create like a villain origin. It's not the same as like Joker or anything else. I just did a terrible job. Although Matt Smith dancing in it is pretty funny. So Avatar The Way of Water was surprisingly good. I know people like to hate on Avatar. To me, Avatar is sort of like a Kardashian of films. It's kind of famous just for being famous. You know, like most people barely remember the first story at all. But yeah, Avatar The Way of Water, I had a really good time watching it. It's three hours long, but for some reason, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, Barbarian, that was a really good film to watch. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but it's sort of like a horror film. Um, there's, a, there's a lady and there's a house and there's weird stuff happening in the house. And then you've got all these other it's it's a really interesting film. And um, I think it also kind of has a a message really about people who you kind of trust. Um, like like how in various scenarios, some people you just instantly trust them in other scenarios, sometimes you won't trust them for some reason. And I think it does some 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 stuff pretty clever like that. Um, and and yeah. Uh, those are that's, that's my list for 2022. I would give Richard right to reply on Avatar, but unfortunately, this only goes on till eight o'clock. Uh, <laughs> we've, got eight, we've got eight more speakers, so exactly. um, we'll go through the in the order that but people that, have joined. Just so say, I think that, just say, that's just the same. He's going to get something in. Here we go. No, 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 <laughs> very disappointed. I'm very disappointed, uh, joint. I'm sorry, CJ, but very disappointed. I, I thought that you were actually, you know what you're talking about. And then you say Avatar, come on, man. The only thing I, I will say about, um, so I really love Us, actually. I think Us is better than Get Out. Um, so I had really high hopes for Nope. But Nope is the film, it, it's very slow at the start, and I know that's why it's meant to do it. But it's the one film of the year that I really want to see again more than any other and it's not my favorite film of the year but it's like right there was a lot in that there's a lot to think about and i need to see it a second time because i don't know what my i still don't know what my opinion is on it so um i'm waiting for it to turn up on sky cinema so i can i can watch it again um 
Alfonso, should we go to you next? I believe you you joined us next. Sure. Um, well, I have enjoyed many films in 2022. I, well, as CJ said before, for example, We Coincide in Bodies, 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 which I enjoyed a lot. It was, I, I mean, it had that kind of mystery plus fun, which I enjoyed very much. I also enjoyed, for that reason, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, which was really fun. I mean, all the time there were twists and, and yeah, you, you kind of, it, it was very enjoyable all the, all the way through. Everything, everywhere, all at once, also amazing. Emergency was a movie that I didn't, it was not in my radar when I saw it and I really, really enjoyed it about the, this, these guys that are trying to party when everything goes in the way that they were not expecting and at the beginning of the night and then the whole night, it's, it's crazy. Uh, um, I, I have enjoyed my, my doses of crazy in movies this year. I don't know, I like, I, I, even if it's something which seems to have no plot as men, I, if it's something very crazy, I enjoy it. That's where the reason that I enjoyed Resurrection, for example, which is bonkers, uh, fresh, Barbarian, Triangle of Sadness, The Menu, Blonde, which had something that was a little bit naughty and a little bit crazy and a little bit interesting in that way. So I, I enjoyed all of those. Um, there were some movies that reminded me of all Hollywood, but done well, like Emancipation, the Will Smith movie, which was that black and white movie with a hint of color sometimes. <laughs> Crazy in that sense, but the, the movie was quite Hollywood standard um, chasing and violence and emancipation of black people. Where the Crawdads Sing, which was also one movie that seemed to be from the 90s, but I mean, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, also kind of like, fun and a little bit horror Doctor Strange 2. I also enjoyed it quite a, quite a bit. Um, in the sense of, in the, in the, on the side of tenderness, Cha Cha Real Smooth was also something that I enjoyed. And then uh, for Spanish movies, I would highlight the Good Boss with Javier Bardem, which was, well, actually in Spain it's from the year before, but in internationally it's from 2022. And Uriol Paulo's um, the Los Rengones Torpios de Dios, which in, in English I think it's going to be God's Crooked Lines, which is a mystery in a, in a psychiatry, psychiatrist ward or something like that. In, uh, with a murder and I don't know, this guy, Oriol Paulo, has many films and most of them are on Netflix and he's, he likes to specialize in mysteries. Like, he's very good. All on now about series. Well, I think I've been mostly, <laughs> I've been you know, on, on Apple and HBO Max <laughs> here. So on Apple, it's been Severance, Blackbird, Slow Horses, Shining Girls, 
it has it has uh, I mean good quality this year this year they really turn around that quality and turn it up and and that is it's doing really well and and the, 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 I think the target is plus 30 so it's more or less my target as well HBO I have mostly enjoyed many of the things that I've watched I would highlight House of the Dragon, which uh, has amazing uh, jumps in in time, like goes from one generation to another and skips the boring parts, especially from the middle to the end. And it's uh, and it was a joy. The, the, the White Lotus was also a, a joy to, to watch in its second season. Euphoria, which is like also the, in the kind of naughty kind of teenagers <laughs> like 20 year olds that are teenagers so kind of thing hacks which is very well done it's another thing that could be a, a film by jane selbrooks in the 90s which is now a a, se a series of of like 20 minutes episodes uh yeah and on netflix i have watched mm, not so much but i would say that there are three shows that are mostly teenagers but real teenagers in in different situations that i uh, like stranger things for wednesday and heartstopper which are all of them very efficiently done they have been successes and deservedly so and finally from epics which is the only thing that I can say it's the, the I guess the, the U.S. Origi originates in what's where it originates in the U.S. I would highlight the series from, which is like a Lost plus Stephen King, and it's it only has one season, so lots of mysteries still coming around of how how they uh, the people who live in that uh, forsaken town have arrived at that dire situation, which I won't spoil. And uh, yeah, but yeah, in general, I am happy with, I mean, lots, in, especially on TV, there are lots of possibilities and I haven't nearly watched as many movies that I would like. So, I mean, it's good that we all, we have so many options and so many different paths to take, but always following what we want. Cool, thank you, okay. Alfonso. So, Jean, you're up next. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Jean, yes. do you do you watch do you watch films and TV at all? I don't know. Never <laughs> what's a have you, what's have a you got film? Any, what's a film? Yeah. What is that? Any, have you got any? A motion like picture. Uh, listen, guys. You know me, of course. I keep records of um, all the films and TV shows that I watch on like Word documents. So I'm ready. I'm ready, hun. Uh <laughs> I'll just say to everyone, I know we should be plugging filmandtvreview.com, but there's also Letterboxd, which can keep lists for you. But everyone I know just keeps them on like scraps of paper and stuff. They're yeah, really yeah, no, I prefer, I prefer my Word doc. I prefer my Word okay. doc because I can like color coordinate it. And yeah, it's just easy and I can access it whenever. So yeah. I feel but, like there could be a whole side meetup on your color coding, but we'll, we'll oh, just yeah, go yeah. for choices in 2022 first. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just as Alfonso said, um, 2022 was an amazing year for television. I also 
found myself going towards TV shows more than films. And I ended up having to catch up a ton in November, December for the, for the uh, film releases of the year. Um, but I'll start off with TV. I already did like a best of 2022 uh, video on my channel, just a small plug there. <laughs> on Jean's movie chat. So I basically have a list prepared here. I'm not going to go through all the details on that. Don't worry. So um, this is going to hurt. The BBC series is at number 10. Excellent, excellent series with Ben Wyshaw. Um, at number nine, we have Bridgerton season two, which was a moment. Okay. It depicted one of the best romances of the whole year. Um, number eight, we have Stranger Things season four, which was a superb season. This was the first year that I checked out Stranger Things. So I binge watched the whole series and I was expecting it to go downhill from there. And I was so pleasantly surprised because season four kind of, you know, ended up being one of the best seasons of the whole show. So it's really incredible what they're doing over there. Um, and then seven, we have The Boys season three. Excellent series on Amazon Prime. Peaky Blinders season six. This is the final season of the show. I was heartbroken, heartbroken because it's such an excellent, exceptional show. Killian Murphy deserves all of the awards uh, for his portrayal of Thomas Shelby. Five, we have Atlanta seasons three and four, the FX series that's now available on Disney Plus here in the UK as well. Uh, the, the season four was the final season of Atlanta, which again, heartbreaking. This series is so good. It's so unique. It's so hilarious. So I highly recommend you check out Atlanta if you haven't watched it for whatever reason. And number four, we have a very um, underrated series that literally no one talked about that I absolutely fell in love with. And that was Apple TV Plus's Bad Sisters. You guys need to watch Bad Sisters. It is so good. It kept being advertised on IMDb. And I was like, okay, let me check it out. And it's so good. It's like a murder mystery where all of the sisters have a motive to kill this guy because he sucks. <laughs> he's literally the worst. And he's portrayed by Klaus Bang, who was um, the sexy vampire from the BBC series a couple of years back. Um, but he is also amazing because he's such a good villain. And the sisters have such a great chemistry together. It's an amazing show. Highly recommend it. Uh, and number three, we have Abbott Elementary, seasons one and two. Uh, which is also available on Disney Plus. I think season one is available on Disney Plus. Abbott Elementary is such a joy. It's such a gem. And overall, this year I was looking for more like happy content. I wasn't really looking to be sad. <laughs> so that's why I didn't really check out films like Emancipation, Till, um, because I know that I'm just going to be weeping, sobbing the whole time. So, <laughs> so I wanted to be happy. And I think it's important to have Black representation in media that's not just tragic and sad. So Abbott Elementary is a perfect example of that. Then at number two, we have a series that I literally just re-watched because I love it so much. And that is uh, Who Lose the Bear, which is available on Disney Plus as well. The Bear is so excellent. So, so excellent. And actually, it links with a film I'm going to be talking about in a second as a great double bill. But this year in general, it occurred to me as people were talking about the menu that it's been a really interesting year for uh, chefs and chef-related content. <laughs> um, so yeah, The Bear is yet another example of this coming from a different angle where you have Jeremy Allen White's character who was a prestige chef working in a Michelin star restaurant in like the best restaurant in the world. And then all of a sudden his brother dies and he owns like a, 
a rundown kind of beat up restaurant that um, Jeremy Allen White's character Carmen all of a sudden has to take over. And it's a comedy, kind of black comedy, uh, but it also has some really amazing dramatic moments. It's super short. It's only eight episodes and they're like 20, 30-ish minutes long. It's an excellent binge. I literally rewatched the whole thing yesterday. Um, and at number one, we have the return of one of the best franchises of all time that kind of killed us at the end, but brought us back to life with this new entry, House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon is my favorite show of the year. <laughs> it was so Ooh. good. It <laughs> was very good. So good. For the tape, Richard is shaking his head. <laughs> Richard, well, listen. I don't, I, I, I don't so want to insane. interrupt. I don't want to interrupt. Everybody has to be time conscious. But yeah, uh, anyway, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my list of TV shows. And then to quickly run down the list of films, number 10, Matilda the Musical, is a joy. It's a delight. Okay, I love that film. Uh, number nine, we have Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, I really, really enjoy. I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but it was <laughs> it was a very good film. And one scene in particular with Kerry Condon and Barry Keegan is what cemented that for me. That scene, Barry Keegan doing the actoring, okay, of a lifetime. That scene alone was like, okay, we've we've boosted it up on the list for sure. That scene is everybody's favorite scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the scene that was like, okay, we're, we're working with something serious here. Like we're working with um, a film that I can actually remember like come two, three years from now, you know, because it was just such an emotionally impactful scene. Uh, I hope Barry Keegan gets nominated as um, the same as uh, uh, Kerry Condon. And at, at number eight, we have Boiling Point. This is the film, I think someone mentioned it earlier. This is the film that I would say would be a great double bill with The Bear. And in fact, if you want to triple down on chefs, you could do the bear and then boiling points and then the menu. <laughs> I think that would be a great trio to watch, some chef-related content. Um, yeah, I think that would be the perfect storyline, actually. So yeah, highly recommend boiling point because boiling point is like the bear in that you're dealing with a chef who's in a high-stress situation, but it's all condensed into one evening. Whereas Boiling Point, uh, sorry, The Bear is about, you know, the daily runnings of a rundown restaurant and how um, the main character is trying to fix things. Boiling Point is just like that same evening, you know, it's almost one take. We're supposed to look like one take and you're just in it. You're fully immersed in the stress and anxiety and pressure of these chefs and these cooks. So, yeah, I think it's a great double bill or triple bill. And number seven, we have Top Gun Maverick. I think um, CJ mentioned this one. Um, but it was a great cinema going experience. It was just, there was nothing else like it. I even preferred it to Avatar in terms of cinema going experiences because it actually left me on the edge of my seat in terms of tension. Whereas Avatar was just like a beautiful, stunning screensaver <laughs> in the cinema. Um, number six, we have the Batman, excellent Batman movie. Five, Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not the Disney one that apparently was a flop. Number four, Glass Onion. A Knives Out Mystery. Three, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was an amazing sequel to the film. Richard, I see you shaking your head. 
Yes, listen, listen. Some of us love this film. Some of us weren't as impressed, but no, no, I, I, I love it. And, and some others predicted the film. There is a middle ground here. You cannot. I mean, it's not like I hated it. I just said that it was just all right. That's all. No, no, no that's that's an attack. That's an attack on my children. <laughs> that's an attack on me. That's an attack on everyone. You can't say that it's all right. Anyways, incredible film. Letitia Wright had another amazing performance, as did Angela Bassett, who just killed it and is probably going to be nominated for Best Supporting. Uh, number two, we have Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This was tough, guys, because I was like, what's going to be my number one and what's going to be number two? I put Everything, Everywhere at number two because my number one for the year is the woman king absolutely that is my favorite film of the year that is a film that the both of these films are films that i can easily say in five years when i look back at the list of you know films of 2022 those are the ones that are going to stand out to me so yeah that's my list guys cheers jane very good list yeah, there. If, I may, right. if i may reply to jane uh, yeah <laughs> yeah for the black panther debate as it's james idea I think we should start putting on social media to release the the Richard Fontana cuts. FYI, just a, what's, the, what's the cut? I, my, my ideas were ten times better than the ideas in this movie. Just just putting this in this story. Oh, do you mean the idea that you wanted Vancouver. to flood Wakanda? My, my ideas were a million times better. Just saying, but we can move on now. That's all. <laughs> we can't, but you know we can't move on. That's ridiculous. That's sad. <laughs> I think the thing with with Wakanda Forever is. The, the the only really I think the only sort of weak part of it is some stuff to do with the script, but you'd have to have a heart of stone to really be because we know what they oh, went yeah, through in production that before they started yeah. production they lost someone and you sort of you can see that they've had to scramble stuff together. I do think Angela Bassett is fantastic in that movie. Oh, yeah. I do mm -hmm. wonder if that that plot point and I'm going to spoil a light as possible maybe should have been saved over to the third movie, but I suspect there was issues with contracts. I also yeah. think there's even stuff like, but who's going to say this? Like, Martin Freeman probably should have been cut from the movie. Love Martin Absolutely. Freeman. But there's so, there's so much happening. And then it becomes the thing with these big ensemble movies that you can't tell someone's agent when they're signed to do it, you know. I mean, the first film's such a high benchmark, not just for the MCU, but for blockbuster cinema, for cinema anyway. Mm -hmm. It was always going to be a tough, tough thing to follow. But it's really cool. It's really cool as well that they've done sort of not just a female Avengers movie, but a black female Avengers movie by step. Thank like, you. Like you just Absolutely. kind of go, oh, like if they'd have announced it as that, you you know, like what so you know, especially since yeah. Twitter has changed this year how what a nightmare that would have been and actually you sort of don't even that's think true. about that until after the movie and go oh, that's cool they've done that and it's it's i thought about it james that's one of the first thoughts that <laughs> yes, I, I did think you might yeah yes so. yes as a black female mcu fan that's absolutely something that i thought about and that's one of the reasons why i'm like these are films that really stand out to me and it touches me personally because yeah. i get an extra kind of layer of appreciation for what's happening here you know in terms of the 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 movement for um uh, uh representation 
that we're getting in Hollywood. It's not going to you know, fix institutional racism or anything, but it <laughs> is just so amazing to see and it's so empowering to see. And I think that's why I praise Letitia Wright because I think she often gets forgotten in this conversation, but she was able to deliver on so many different levels, whether it be you know an emotional level, um, but also on the kind of physical level of having to step up and be you know, the the superhero of the film, even though that wasn't the original plan. And it's not perfect, but they definitely make the best out of a difficult situation. And overall, I just enjoy the film in general, you know? The the people's favourite films are are the ones that connect with them personally as well. I can see that in the last couple of years, the kind of stories about people of my age and, and... Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Stuff and life experience, and those are the ones that that really resonate with you, I think. And I'll just mention as well, Letitia Wright is also, she's been in that, she's been in Aisha, and she's also been in a film called The Silent Twins, which isn't the best film of the year, but I really enjoyed that. So she's had three pretty amazing films out this year, I would say. Um, Anita, do you want to give us your choices for the year? Um, Yeah. Um, so I actually went to the cinema more than I usually do, particularly in the summer. Uh, that was a lot to do with air conditioning um, at, on, at certain times. Um, it was also a lot to do with Maverick. I'm sure it doesn't surprise a lot of you that I went to see it at least three times. Uh, that was just because I wanted to, not because the air conditioning. Um, so, um, yeah, Maverick, it was always going to be a highlight for me. Um I mentioned a few months ago, good luck to Leo Grand. I wouldn't say it's all been done before, but I wouldn't say it was groundbreaking either, but it was very entertaining. It was about a middle-aged woman played by Emma Thompson, uh, who hires male prostitutes. Um, It was entertaining. It was quite good. Um, And I, as a lot of you know, I like true stories. Um, So I liked my old school which was, a, in, I think it was in 1993, a 32-year-old passed himself off as 16 and went back to school in Scotland. Um, so I went to the cinema to see that. And again, very entertaining, and I like true stories. Um, another true story, um, it's a book, which I've done for my book group, and a film that I saw in December, so quite recently, and um, was She Said, Um, which was Kerry Mulligan plays one of the lead roles um, and it's about the Harvey Weinstein case. Um, And very good. Again, very entertaining. Love the chemistry between the two journalists that broke the case. Um, Really entertaining, really fascinating. And again, as I said, I love true stories. So I would recommend that. And because I did the book for my book group, I can say that I think, which was written by the two journalists, I think they did a good job with the film. Um, In terms of TV, um, someone mentioned The White Lotus. Um, 
I preferred preferred series two to series one. The reason I, I, I mean, I, again, I, it wasn't my favourite thing, but the reason that I preferred series two was I thought that dynamic between grandfather, father and son was a bit different. I've not seen that in that type of drama before where you've got three generations of men going on holiday together. I thought, well, you put something a bit different in there. I don't think White Lotus is amazing, but I did prefer it to series one and it just passes the time. I don't think it's massively brilliant, but it's just like, you know, uh, it, it, as I said, it passes the time. Um, also, I haven't seen everything everywhere all at once. Sorry if that's what it's called. That is on my radar. Belfast. I thought it was a, wasn't gritty enough, and I hated that karaoke scene at the end, and it was a bit twee. Which again, I said at the time we discussed it. Um, so yeah, Glass Onion is definitely on my radar. The only other thing I'd say about TV, as you know, I hosted a true crime night um, probably about eighteen months ago now. And so I was really looking forward to Dharma on Netflix. Jeffrey Dharma, obviously serial killer, started killing in the 70s, was arrested in the 90s. Um, it started off really slowly. I thought it was a great way to start it with the last victim getting away. But uh, it was too slow. The second half of that, I think there were 10 episodes, episodes 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10 were brilliant. Um, it started off too slow. It didn't have quite the right, right pace overall. But because it was about Jeffrey Dahmer, I was always going to watch it. So, um, so yeah, highlights for me, apart from Maverick, um, she said, uh, brilliant film. And in the end, Dahmer came through for me. Like, that's it. Cheers. Thank you. And that leaves Good. us with William. Hello, William. Um, I've not met yeah. you before. I'm sure you've been here before when I haven't been, but nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you. I think I've been here uh, just once, just my second time here. The films you loved or hated and TV in 2022? I actually saw a lot of films today. So I'll say, I'll bring up, firstly, I'll bring up two honorable mentions. The first is Megan. So fun fact, when I saw the title of this movie, where it replaced the three with the E, I thought, that, oh, is this a part of a trilogy? Because I thought it was following the screen uh, method of um, advertising where they replace one of the letters with this the number of which sequel is but so i looked up i was like oh is there like a, was there a first one a second one i didn't realize that oh no it's, just, it's actually a completely original movie so i actually just saw it on thursday and i'll say i think this is the film i was hoping the child's play reboot was like in, in terms of like movies about slasher dolls this is the superior movie in my opinion <laughs> it is it, uh, it is very it is very bonkers, but completely entertaining. And a second honorable mention I'll say is Till. Just like what um Jen said, it's a uh, if you if you're familiar with the, the true story that's based on, it's a pretty depressing movie. But it's a film that's saved completely by its performance. Just the performance from the actors alone is worth um watching the movie. But again, if you're not if if you're if you don't want to he said, like, angry cry throughout the whole thing. I won't recommend it, but it's the, it is a well-made movie. So in terms of, but in terms of my favorite, I'll say the first one is Triple R, which is an Indian triple uh, Indian action movie. And I, I was, I was recommended this movie throughout because I didn't know what I was getting into. But I will say that I felt like 
in terms of like in terms of just block this is actually one of the best um action movie blockbusters of the I don't know if I can consider it a blockbuster, but it's definitely one of the best action movies of the year. So after that, um again, talk top gun maverick. <laughs> There's not much to say, but I think everyone can all agree on that. And there, there was this what was this movie? The Outfit. Yeah, there's a movie I actually saw um on the streaming service, The Outfit. It's about this tailor who this tailor, it all takes place in one setting. So I just love movie movies like that that all take place in just one setting. So it's about this tailor who secretly works for the mob. But of course, there's one there comes a day where the mob uses his place as a hideout because you're trying to look for a piece of evidence that's gonna put them all away. So there's just this amount of tension throughout the whole film. So I, I recommend that. And what else was there? I'm trying to remember what the name was. Is this movie is this movie that was um, made is made by the same director that did in the grudges? Is it Banshees of Inisherin? Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, I mean, um, huh? it's about two, yeah about two friends who um one um about two friends where one of them decides to end their relationship. But that's just yeah, the small Banshees, story. Yeah. Yes, that that's the movie. That's that's the movie. Again, just completely <laughs> a very dark and hilarious movie. Really love that film. And there was also, um, in terms of animation, Puss in Boots, which I, I think, which was actually a recent release. Again, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Shrek series. So I actually didn't know. I actually came to this movie expecting to be disappointed, but no, I, I actually felt it was actually a lot better than a lot of the Disney movies that came out this year. And in terms of TV, honestly, I didn't actually watch much TV this year. But two, I do have two. Um, two shows that actually caught my eye. That's Severance and Reservation Dogs. Thank you, William. I think to go back to Banshees of Inner Sheeran, it's sort of like, there's something quite strange. I saw it twice at the cinema and it gets really big laughs at the cinema. And I think the trailer indicates the funny side of it, but it's got a very sad side as well. Um, and it's kind of like, there's even a line in it about because the film is sort of about depression. I think it's sort of about ghosting as well, isn't it? But those sort of terms that we maybe use now that wouldn't have been used 100 years ago, but that's not to say that those things didn't happen. There's a bit where um, it's referred to as despair. And there's actually a line when they refer to depression and it's sort of like a joke. Every time I've seen it in cinema, people laugh at that. But that is actually what the film is, is probably about. Um, everyone as well seems to say it's got a sad ending. I think it's actually got a quite hopeful ending to it um but it that's down to interpretation i know i'm in the minority here but um I, i've yeah. heard that it's supposed to be like an allegory for ireland like the separation of um ireland the formation of northern ireland which i think is also a very interesting kind of angle i think because i heard that yeah. before it helped me make sense of the story a bit more whereas i think some people who watched it before um, early on when it was released, said that it, it seemed aimless. But I think having that kind of background made it a bit more purposeful. I think with that writer-director, you suddenly realise, when I heard him interviewed afterwards, I realised how much, like, nothing in that script is not there without a lot of thought as to why it's there. So that this happens on a fictional island off the coast of Ireland, and on the mainland, the civil war's happening. And it's, quite, yeah, kind of an allegory for or mirroring at least what is happening in, in their relationship at the same time. 
Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very very interesting film. With some some great performances in it. I, I will say as well, actually, thank you, Gene, for not reacting when I put my thumbs up on camera for Matilda the Musical, which was a reflex. And then I was like, I don't want people to know that I went to watch Matilda the Musical. But it was, <laughs> but it's really I didn't good. See it's that. Really, oh, did you know? It's really good. It's really really good. And it's clearly not aimed at me. It's a bit like it reminded me of going to see Paddington Two, actually, where yeah. you sit there and just go. This is so well made. This is exactly. so fantastic. I know I'm not the audience. Is it better than the musical and the movie of the 90s? Well, I I said um, in my roundup that it's it's like a, a completely different take on the story. So it's not trying to compete with the 90s film. And I think that was a really clever way of doing it, where you can enjoy both in equal measure. Because one is just like a straight up musical. It's more of an adaptation of the musical that was in the West End than it is of, you know, the Roald Dahl book directly. So both of them can exist in the same kind of realm without having to compete with one another. But in the same time, you can introduce this to like newer generations um, who may prefer like this style of filmmaking because it's more modern and they'll fall in love with the story as well. So just like James said, what I really enjoyed about this is the fact that it's like a live action family film that's not a superhero movie. That's not an animated film, do you know? Like it's very rare that we actually get that these days. And I think Paddington is one of the few um, examples of it. And Matilda, the musical can be added to that list. So yeah, it's just like a joy to watch. It's so good. Is it, is it a little bit like uh, The Witches? Does it share anything in common with that? Oh, um, I, I think this is better produced and it's more like tongue in cheek. The Witches was like, it had moments of genuine horror. <laughs> like the witches, I don't even remember. Like the witches, like was kind of scary at times, um, and it was a bit more like leaning into the grotesque nature of some Roald Dahl films. Whereas uh, Matilda, I mean, I guess Matilda. No, I I still think it's a bit more wholesome than the witches. Yeah, I, I would say it's more wholesome and less Americanized because the witches was American. It has that thing that many Roald Dahl stories have that adults are disappointing to children. Yeah. <laughs> disappointing, <laughs> to say the least. And it's true. <laughs> that, that's a good point of why it probably resonates to an adult audience as well. But, you know, I'm going uh, yeah. to yeah. personal view. This is the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Many adults are horrible. <laughs> especially in kids in kids films adults are like either they are the big villain villain or the big hero world is a classic honestly it's great seeing um stephen graham doing some comedy acting as well in that film we're so used to him like we've talked about boiling point and he's been in a lot of serious dramas um like line of duty but yeah, it's great seeing him with that massive hairpiece that he's wearing in that film. Um, and just like, yeah. that massive, massive false teeth smile that he's got as well. It's, it's yeah, really the fun. fake teeth is what got me. Yeah, the fake teeth. Like nobody's mentioned the grey man, is it? I'm not even sure if that's the name of it. But no, I was really up for seeing that film from the trailer. And then everyone said, oh, it's quite bland. And there's going to be like two or three more films. And it's like, I don't know anyone who really loved the first film enough but Netflix oh oh james like, i'm gonna stop you there me. sorry you love, love the gray love man yeah. love <laughs> the gray <laughs> man. <laughs> hey guys 
Uh, You're the first person I found. But... <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, no, no, no. Wanna... I genuinely you... did not understand why people hated on the grey man. Because uh, I, I, I would say it's not like the most inventive thing in the world, but it sure is a hell of a time. I was watching it with the family. Like we were having a great time with the grey man. Uh, it, it was kind of like in line with like bullet train, I would say, where it was like just a fun time all around. A great it's a time. Vibe. Do you want to do the, the categories of the NTV, the NTV Movie Awards? Like, for example, best on screen team. Like, I would say, well, I, I, I would say Top Gun. I think yeah, most people would say Avatar, but I would say Top Gun, sure. No, Top Gun. Top Gun is, is the right ah, <laughs> Also, best, <laughs> best fight. Best fight. Something from the Woman King or RRR. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Maybe. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, too, that's also good. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say the fight between the two Doctor Strange. Okay. <laughs> admit, how about the Northman? I think no one's actually mentioned that yet. Alan said he didn't like it. I've got to say, I watched that thinking, this isn't the sort of thing that I'd usually like, but Robert Eggers, I've liked some of his other stuff, particularly The Lighthouse, but The Witch was really good as well. And I thought The Northman was brilliant. And it really isn't my kind of film that sort of era, but um, I thought it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And what about Best Kiss? Yeah. Best, Best Kiss. Oh, Best Alfonso, Kiss. is yeah. this um, films and TV? Well, or personal TV. Yeah, why not? Because I had, a whole, I had a whole Genie Awards on my channel where I talked about this at length, right? And I think the winner here is Anthony and Kate from Bridgerton. Absolutely. Bridgerton season oh, two. Best couple, for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> no contenders. <laughs> I don't have much of a. No, I don't, cannot think right now. It was, I mean, we haven't said really that many romances in our in our yeah, favorites. True, yeah. yeah, I don't have any romances in TVs and movies in my top ten actually. I've got a list of some of the categories for the MTV awards. If you want to try and yes, um, CJ, yes, sure. Best comedic performance in a film. They're counting um, everything everywhere all at once as a comedy. So Michelle, yeah. which I think it probably is actually. People always sort of categorize it as sci-fi, but I think it's got much more in common with um, like being John Malkovich is the nearest tone I can think of, where it feels like a tone unlike any other film. You know, I'm aware we're being recorded, but a film where people people are being beaten with dildos is kind of like you know, that is a comedy film, isn't it? It's uh, the, the, also the, the bits where it cuts between Michelle Yeoh being interviewed and being in this other world and then coming back to like this look on Jamie Lee Curtis's face of like, are you paying attention? It's it's a really, really funny film. I have an answer to, uh, to CJ. Uh, yeah. it was, the category was best comedy, right? Okay. Yeah, performance. Yeah. Okay. Every single, every single cast member of Moonfall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I would say David Earl in Brian and Charles, which is a really charming film. I did mention it last time, but about a guy who, um, it, it's actually the character that he plays in Afterlife, the the Ricky Gervais TV series, but it's not related to that. That is a comedy character that he plays on stage and has played before. And in this iteration, he's an inventor in Wales on his own. And he comes up with all this mad stuff, flying cuckoo clocks that he's going to build, all these weird inventions. And he decides he's going to build a robot, which is a man, in reality, is a man wearing a washing machine and a paper mache head and talks like an old speaking spell. 
it sounds bonkers, but it's a really sort of sweet little film, but it's very, very funny as well. I think, as I would say, The Lost City was really funny as well. Channing Tatum and oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock, I think, have got really good improvisational comic chops, and you can see that coming through in the film. Uh, and Brad Pitt's also in there, as is Daniel Radcliffe. It was billed as an adventure film. It isn't. If you want an adventure film, you're going to be disappointed. If you want a comedy film, which is sort of posing as an adventure film, it, it's quite good. Um, okay. Rose as well, I thought, was was a really good sort of comic film. Speaking um, of yeah. uh, being John Malkovich, there's also the um, Unbearable Weights with... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Yeah. yeah, that's quite fun. Or um, Ralph Fiennes in the menu. If you have well, the menu, as a yeah, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that is that humor? Is that humor? But it's worth. Well, yeah. I, yeah it's... I would say actually, CJ mentioned bodies, bodies, bodies earlier. I laughed out loud at a lot of moments in that film, and yeah. definitely if you were if you were describing it to someone, you'd say it's a horror film, right? And it's sort of like a genre horror film. But it's got some really funny dialogue, lines that I can't even remember now, because like CJ was saying, they're the ridiculous things that people say in a very reactionary way on social media and then go, oh, God, I wish I hadn't tweeted that. Uh, they say they're saying you... it to each other's faces. And I think that's almost what the film is about, is like sort of maybe sometimes it's best to consider what you say. I mean, there's a line in Glass Onion where he says, don't confuse talking, uh, talking without thought and talking you know, freedom of speech or something like that. And it's yes, it's kind of a yeah. similar thing, yeah. I think. In, Daniel Craig, in yes. And yeah. Kate Hudson in Glassonian is also very good. Yes. Yeah. The next category is best villain. Oh, CJ, that was in my yeah. awards. Okay, so best villain. I have Wanda <laughs> from Doctor Strange, Multiverse yeah. of Madness. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, good point, yeah, yeah. I would say Rory Kinnear as men in men. I think we forget one that is going to win. I think it's nominated at the Critics' Choice Awards is obviously uh, the Homelander. Sorry? The what? The Homelander from the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have Homelander. Yeah, yeah Homelander. Uh, and I also have uh, Soldier Boy from uh, by Jensen uh, and, and Anthony Anthony Starr, that's his name. I think he's been nominated for, I don't know if it's, whatever critics choice awards of emmy awards or whatever so. yeah he was nominated for an emmy last year but he's incredible as homelander yeah, he's amazing he's, he's amazing, amazing. Think, who was the villain in um everything all at once it was jojo um, Ste- stephanie shu yeah jojo topaki right <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, i like that villain because yeah. it was yeah. it was like kind of you kind of feel sympathetic for them but at the same time they're really kind of scary but also yeah yeah at the same time. they were all yeah, powerful now i was gonna say i thought riddler was pretty good in the batman yeah yes i, I, yes. I think i think the riddler oh. the way that it was played in batman forever it, it's a joke and it's not scary the other thing that i think is really good about the way the riddler's written in batman is that his his mission does make sense. It's a twisted logic, but what he's trying to do does make sense. Sometimes yes. in superhero films, or uh, that is more of a mystery noir type film. Anyway, you go, well, wouldn't you just do that, and that would happen? You know, there's no logic there, but I think the logic in it is really, really good, and it makes him yeah. makes him terrifying. Yeah. And that is the thing that they're going to have to work out to make the sequel 
as good. Yeah. Although the one the one issue I will say have is that it does have that um, typical superhero problem where they make the villain a bit too sympathetic in his goals, so they have him do something completely drastic by the end to make. I'm not gonna spoil it. That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I felt like his plan at the end just came out of left field. I think I feel like that's they needed spectacle at the end, so they just attack that on. But the rest of the film, I think, is really good. Um, Ben Foster on Emancipation is also a classic, classic villain. Like you hate him. Is he a slave owner? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if he just works for the a company or something, or if he's the owner. The guy in RRR as well is a really good villain, and um, so his, his wife. wife. The wife yes. and his wife. His wife is even worse. Yeah. His wife. His wife is nice. Can I say without without ruining the film? But in films like this, right, you want baddies to get their comeuppance, and sometimes it's left that you know how it happens is maybe satisfying or not satisfying. The thing in RRR is that the comeuppances that people get are perfect. They are. They completely tie in to stuff from earlier in the film, and I think that that's kind of genius because there's an element with villains in films that you want to gloat, you want to see that poetic justice dish, dished out. That you know, in real life, you try and hold back on a little bit because it's a bit harsh, but you're allowed to do that with a fictional sort of character, which this is. These are real people, but it's kind of a I fiction have, story. Based I don't know, James, I have a problem with. Actually, I have a plot problem in. RRR, but I don't know if we can talk about this to be honest. No, it's <laughs> we can do it, spoiler, we can do it maybe right, right. at the end. It's, it's, a a of, it's a bit of a spoiler. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a spoiler. No, never, never mind. Because I, I, I think there is kind of uh, well, it's not a big deal, but there is something that doesn't make sense. But anyway, but okay, sorry. There's a lot of things that do not make sense in that film. No, no, but plot, plot wise, there is a scene that doesn't make sense with the others. Literally, only one. But again, sorry. No, I was going to say that sounds like um, the, the best WTF moment award. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Is, that, is that an award, similar. CJ? I think they used to have it. And I think they used they to have it. The awards, apparently. We so, can yeah, include right. it. Best, best WTF moment. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but definitely, but definitely people are, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, yeah. But, for me, but the one where they start singing and then seeing what the guy is actually being tortured to death yeah that's interesting thank you, thank you. what is what was that that was but like again I, i'm joking because I, I, we were saying that before the, the start of this podcast uh, my knowledge of bollywood is extremely limited so that's why i maybe maybe it's a cultural thing but i don't understand that's why i'm not yeah same and that's maybe that's why maybe it's fine in India, but yeah, it's just very strange when you look at it with our our eyes from the Western world. Let's say, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it I is. agree. This was the it first is. Bollywood but... film that I watched, and I was shook when that happened. I was literally like, <laughs> "What?" I, <laughs> I said, "What the fuck?" Many times Disney. during Barbarian. Barbarian. I think if you've grown up with Disney films, though, there is an element of that in there because I used to say the same thing, and it's like, but. The Jungle Book's like one of my favorite films of all time, and like I grew up watching Mary Poppins and stuff. You know, if you grew up with Disney films, no, they do no, burst no. into song. James, no, 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 no. I grew up with Disney. No, 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 no. No one gets whipped within an inch of their life, and then you get like a a song, a soulful song, um, in the no way. That was nothing. Nothing from Disney prepared me for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
can I can I do two more bad baddies of the year, or maybe three? Um, I think yeah. that the manager in Elvis as well. I know that someone said yeah. they didn't like that, but Tom Hanks playing a villain, I kind of liked. And again, it was a different take on on the story, and I find that really interesting. Um, anyway, with with sort of pop stars and the royal family to an extent that I think there are often people behind the scenes who have a vested interest and mm-hmm. won't allow these people. We think these people are living the life of Riley, but from Elvis to Amy Winehouse, not a lot really changed. And there's loads of people in the middle. Yeah. So I, I would say him and just seeing Tom Hanks play a villain. Esther from Orphan First Kill, which is a prequel to Orphan. I don't want to say anymore because yeah. Orphan, if you haven't seen yeah. it, it's a brilliant <laughs> thriller. It's marketed as a horror. It's real low level. It's it's a thriller, I would say more. It, it, she's an iconic character. I hope she gets a final outing because they can't do it forever. But I think she's just such a wonderfully, you know, sort of over-the-top camp villain. Like, it, it's just genius. And I think that's really good. I might mention Top Gun because I don't really know who the villains were. Like, yeah, I don't think that movie bomb, has a villain. They bomb stuff and there's no casualties, but it's awesome and they yeah. fly. I really love it's Top lesser. Gun. But the it villain is one is of those lesser. things where I'm like... AJ mm, no. It's Russia. They just didn't want to say it's it. Russia. <laughs> yeah, I, it's Russia. I think no. I think I remember it's actually described as a foreign nation. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. I think they never yeah. name it. They okay. never name it. Okay. Yeah. They call it the enemy. They call it a foreign nation. <laughs> like they, but, you know, yeah. That's actually we, smart. That's actually smart. So actually, but marketing wise, we can say it's anywhere in the world that just yeah. says the enemy. Yeah, but I mean, it's not anywhere in the world. It's not the Middle East anymore there was a period where the middle east was always the villain and now we can see there's been a shift but yeah it's true and emma thompson in matilda obviously is a brilliant villain as well yes 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 she's great i also wanted to add from tv shows um konshu from moon knight he is also a a really really great villain mostly because he tricks you throughout the throughout the show you think like oh Maybe he's not so bad, but then at the very end, there's a big reveal where it's like, oh, he's the worst. He's the yeah, absolute worst. It was so good that I completely forgot about him. I'm telling you, ever since Richard watched the menu, he has gotten so sassy. I'm sorry, but it's true. Moonlight, who are you talking about Ethan Oak character? No, no, no! I'm talking about Konshu. I'm talking about the bird, the bird god. <laughs> the big bird. <laughs> the, 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 the bird. The bird god. Yeah, because remember at the very end where he's in the I limo. The god, the Egyptian god. Yeah, yeah, the god. Yeah, at the very okay. end when he's in the limo. Do you remember who was driving? Richard, I'm dying right now. I'm I, dying. I'm, I'm, I'm not being a spoiler from a long time ago. They are things. The last thing that I remember from Moon Knight that I enjoyed the performance from Oscar Isaac and his yeah. uh, well, that's not a spoiler. The fact actually that he has obviously two personalities, etc. That's very well done. But but that part I can't remember actually the ending of that. Well, thing. the the hint is that he doesn't just have two personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, but, but this, yeah, this stuff, you know, I don't remember. Yeah. That. <laughs> okay, CJ, let's move on to the next category. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um. I want to say the best on-screen team. Oh, so, oh I thought so. 
we did a little bit. We have another that it's like best scared as shit performance. Oh, yeah. I would say Barbarian, that girl, she was, from the moment she started going down in the basement, that was, she was not, not so scared that I was. <laughs> yeah, that was a really scary moment. That just, I don't know, man, basements and just not knowing what's down there it just freaks me out. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say Jenna Ortega also in Scream and Wednesday, but especially in Scream, she is very vulnerable in that movie and she made me feel for her in Scream. Mm. Best team, I might sort of just say the sort of ensemble of Wakanda Forever, to be honest. I'm just sort of looking down a list I've got here. Yeah. I think that's the best team that I could. Yeah, but I mean, like team in team. In what sense is like the? Um, I guess I guess just working together to solve a problem. Working together, to okay. Yeah. Okay. The umbrella academy. Yeah. The two journalists from she said actually. Oh yeah. Probably and actually even team. the news the newsroom as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the family gets together in everywhere, uh, everywhere all at once. Yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah. yeah. Stranger oh, yeah, things. <laughs> Stranger things. Technically, two teens for the whole show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They were split up. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the team from Peacemaker. I mean, actually, Robert Patrick's a, a brilliant oh, villain yeah. in that. So my my issue with um, Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad having a spin-off is he's such a horrible character that I was like, I don't really feel I'm going to connect with him. But actually, talking about comic performances as well, I think there's little post-credit sequences in Peacemaker which aren't stings or teasers, but they seem to be extended improvisations that John Cena and a lot of the supporting cast are really good at. So there's a a scene where he's just rattling off the names of celebrities who he would (laughs) rather be killed than someone else. And in the the show, it's quite long. And then you see the post-credit one and it goes on for ages. So I think there's a few... Yeah, but I'd give maybe a villain nod there. They're a great team. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. In that, they sort of get together the, the team that he's working with at the yeah. end as well. Yeah, I mean, we can can we count like uh, Guardians for best team because of the holiday special? <laughs> they didn't really do and much as a team. You certainly can. What, what about the best musical or dance sequence of the year? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> the most uh, sexy scene, sexy performance, sexy in general? Performance. Kate, Kate and Anthony in Bridgerton, for sure. I haven't seen and Anthony. Yeah. Oh, so so it's like steamy Bridgerton. Yeah, well, it's not as steamy <laughs> as season one, but they have like one scene at the end of all of the, you know, like the, the piming and everything. It all leads up to that one scene. It was a very good romance. It was really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Best new filmmaker. Do you have someone in mind? 
new Gina family. Prince Blythewood for the Woman King. Well, that's she's, she's not I, new. I, is that her first film? No, it's her first film, but it's the one that's put her on the map for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, probably. She yeah. she graduated to blockbuster, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like she's like a name now. Yeah, so. But, but best new filmmaker, who else could it be? The guy who did X, but he's probably done other stuff because that's sort yeah. of becoming a franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the the guy, the I think it's a girl from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. She impressed me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I go yeah. back to what WTF moments this year, right? And <laughs> I, it's sort of, in a way, don't, it might not count because it's about 1999, but it's a documentary that came out this year. I only watched this this week, and it's called Trainwreck Woodstock 99 on um, Netflix. Uh. Everyone knows <laughs> Woodstock was a peace movement, like a peace rock festival in 69. Happened the year before Glass- the first Glastonbury. They tried to redo it in 1994. It rained. Everybody almost drowned in mud. People got in for free. So the next one, they decided they were going to have it in this sort of aircraft hangar, and it was really difficult to get into, so nobody could get in. It happened on the hottest day of the year. They'd taken water off of everybody. God knows why security would do that, but they took water off everybody. Water was really expensive. And also, to an extent, the acts that were booked were very different from the Woodstock crowd of 69, of all this peace, love, and, and sort of harmony. And basically, this is the like a massive disaster, and they've never done Woodstock since. I'm not usually a fan of car crash TV, but I, I put this on thinking I'll watch this and I might watch one episode and I just watched all three because they keep doing the trailers going, the next day was worse. And you go, how can this, how can this get worse? And then it gets worse. It's insane. And it, yeah, just if you enjoy that sort of thing, if you're a sadist, go for it. But that is, I, I was like, I basically watched that going, what WTF for the whole three episodes okay i have one i have one and i mentioned it when i watched the movie but i couldn't sleep for, for two days uh i don't know if it's a spoiler again so. uh it's in no <laughs> which one is it is Sorry it wtf it's, it's in oh, no yeah yeah, yeah. No, that was really what the fuck for me in nope there is a scene that disturbed me when i think about it already i, I don't want to i never want to watch but i'm gonna rewatch the movie but mm. in the tv studio the post rodeo the post rodeo. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Wait, which which post rodeo? The, the, the... So uh, it's when Stephen Yeun does his kind of show, let's say, and uh, and that's the scene just after. Uh, yeah, that was very disturbing. That was saying, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, yeah, very, and I, oh, very I'm, I'm, di- di- joking. I, I really had difficulties to sleep at night after. Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't find them no as scary as us. For me, us was the film that kept me up at night for like weeks afterwards. Wow, <laughs> I okay, was what so about, scared. What about it was the that break? kid with the white mask. It was so scary. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, us is quite scary. What best breakthrough performance or best best new performer that you found? Gen- the, Jenna, this- Jenna Ortega for sure, for sure. Well, Jenna. Oh, yeah. But the, girl, the, girl, the woman in Benches of Inishirin, I never heard of her until Kerry, seeing oh, her. Oh, yeah, Kerry Condon. She was amazing in it. Honestly, she is was it, such an amazing actor. Is it Tessu Embedu as well? Is the, um, please, almost said a spoiler, 
plays one of the characters in The Woman King, I think is is fantastic in that film. And yes. I said at the Still, time, I think yeah. it's almost... Because it, actually, sort of, there's a maybe a, a misdirection in the title that it's all going to be about Viola Davis's character. I think it's much more of an ensemble when you watch yeah. it, not taken away from her at all. But there's other really well-written... Yeah, the yeah. really well-written characters in there. And I think she's a standout. And I was like, I've not seen her in anything before. But she's the protagonist of the Underground Railroad. Yeah, the Underground series. Railroad. Yeah, by Barry Jenkins. Yeah, Barry yeah. Jenkins. That was really hard for me to watch, so I didn't finish it. But yeah, it's incredible. I'm going to be again in the minority, uh, as usual. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I would not say her name because I pronounce it not well, but the Welsh actress of Rings of Power, I think she's amazing. The main character? She, who plays Galadriel. I think, I don't know what, why the hate, because I think that she's done <laughs> ama an amazing job, to be honest, in the Rings of Power. She's quite the, the Mary, Mary Sue, it's called Mary Sue. When Mary year. Sue. Yeah, but yeah. that can be said to all heroes of all this fantasy sci-fi stuff then because yes of course everything goes well for her etc and she she survives everything etc but not, not in house of the dragon richard not in house of the dragon okay seriously she uh, uh, again like a lot of things in this show they receive so much hate for no reason she did receive a lot of hate for no reason because honestly Every single scene, I think she she was shining to honest, but that's the personal opinion. She she was doing a quite interesting performance. Yes, she was uh, quite determined in in her ways. In and not and not. I mean, it's like um, how can I say this? She didn't try to like or 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 the direction or whatever. She was not like um, let's say uh, trying to make herself more approachable. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not right now. No, no, no. I mean, okay, I mean okay. it. I mean it. I mean it as a quality. I mean, ah, it's okay, like okay. it's not like like other characters in other shows that that try to be like oh so endearing. No, yeah. Galadriel was quite <laughs> quite like to the point. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Okay, and it's it's not something that I would expect <laughs> from from the Rings of Power more like from House of the Dragon. And yeah. in House of the Dragon, the character of uh, Emma... Well, the, 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 the oh, yeah, Emma Darcy, yeah. Emma Darcy? Uh, the, green, the, green, the green girl, let's say. Emma right. Darcy has... No, no, no. Uh, the green one is Olivia Cook. Ah, Emma who, Darcy yeah. is... Um, is Emma Darcy? Ah, Emma Darcy? The grown up, grown up, uh, the grown up. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay had right. a lot, had a, um, to me, she had... Uh, the same kind of determination, but also she was much more uh, human, approachable. Galadriel was quite like going there and going there and I'm going there. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good, good shout out there. Emma Darcy was uh, a million times better than her teenager version of herself, let's say. Yeah, and also Paddy Constantine, who was um, yeah, yeah, King yeah. Viserys. Yeah. 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 Oh, those are really he, good performances, actually. Is he, is he uh, nominated, nominated for the Golden Globes, uh, Paddy Constantine? No, people were very upset. He wasn't. That's true. He's he not wasn't. Oh, that's crazy. No, that's crazy. yeah. People were really upset. They were like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, definitely deserved a nomination. Even I say that I didn't like the show. I have to admit it. He, he did an amazing job. Yeah. Honest, so. Yeah. His descent into, like, his illness, 
was just yeah, incredible. Yeah. I mean, that goes down to like you know, cost, uh, VFX and uh, prosthetics, but also the, the, his the acting. Speech, like, the he speech that he does in the in one of his last scenes, the speech yeah. he does uh, uh, the, 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 at the dinner table. Uh, honestly, yes, yeah. yeah, incredible work. Yeah, yeah, there were some really great breakout performances. I think Jenna has like the most kind of exposure. Um, because of how big Wednesday became. Um, but yeah, it's quite a few. One, one performance that I want to see nominated more, and she is quite recognized, but not as much as I would like, is Stephanie Hsu from... Yeah, Everywhere. Stephanie Hsu, yeah. And, yeah. Right and, and Jamie Lee Curtis is also very much campaigning for a nomination, but I would prefer if Stephanie Hsu was, was the one nominated yeah. because... She kind of carries the heavy weight of, of many things in that film, along yeah. with uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I, I was so surprised that um, Stephanie wasn't nominated and, and Jamie Lee Curtis was. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is really good, but that's not the performance that I would say, no, like... that's not the supporting the most performance. To, like, for me, yeah, the trio of Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, and Ke Hoi Huan... Yeah, but the guy, like, yeah, but they yeah. are the trio for me in that film. Yeah. So, yeah, Jimmy doesn't have enough screen time, in my opinion, to, to have a nomination. Yeah, it's, it's but she has the name, and, so and also she did Halloween, Halloween ends this year, so you know that offsets that. that <laughs> so, <laughs> Stephanie Shu, as well, maybe for best villain because her multiverse version is arguably yeah. a bit, yeah, of, yeah that's yeah. what someone Antag- said, antagonist. yeah, antagonist, yeah, yeah, yeah someone um, said, yeah. yeah. Also, incidentally, it's brilliant. And I've watched, it's one of the few films that I've watched more than like once or twice this year. I do have a slight issue, just I think it's interesting to say, the reason I give it four and a half stars, and I think I'm the only person like in the world who has, there is something about the last, in the last half hour, the first 20, I like where it ends, but the first 20 minutes, it feels to me like it's slowing down and it's spiraling off into different directions. I can't explain it. And I thought the first time I saw it when I had a very bad week and I'd enjoyed the film up to then. And I thought it might just be me. And when I rewatched it, I still felt the same. And someone else said that to me. It just feels like it loses pace at the end and it gets a little bit... When they go back to the raccoon for like the 13th time, I know it's only three, and I like that little bit, but I feel like it needs to just be tightened up a little bit at the end. But I, I would say you know, I agree with that, James. Yeah, and do you know what, that. though? It's one of those weird things where if it was a lesser film, I wouldn't care about that. It was more like, I'm loving it. This is my favourite film of the year. And then at the end, I was like, oh. I'm and it's weird, because if a film dips in the middle, you kind of forgive it a little bit because you forget by the time you get to the end. Or something like After Sun, which we haven't mentioned this year. I got very frustrated at the start. I thought, this is too slow. Where is this going? And it's got such a sort of emotionally impactful ending that was like okay I get it I get why it needed to be like that but if you've loved the film and then the ending kind of lets you down it's like a bit with a bat the, the thing I keep hearing with the Batman is people don't like that end act um and it, it's just one of one of those things but I'm still going to watch it loads and it's so like every poll that I've sort of seen I've posted a few of them in the group and stuff it's always number one everywhere everything all at once and I think you need to the Oscars really need to listen to the unanimous audience and critic response. It needs at least but, 10 nominations. I think, I think it's going to be nominated. I think the I, big I think question... Yeah, I think the big question is what blockbusters are they going to nominate to draw mainstream audiences in? Well, and I think... 
Um, I think Avatar is probably going to be like a lot for a blockbuster for Best Picture. Top, top Gun as well. Definitely. And Top Gun, yeah. I think Top Gun as well. I really hope. I really hope Avatar. I think he should obviously get all the VFX. For, yeah. Exactly. For yeah. All the technical awards. But yeah, I I know that he's gonna get. All, <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine with him get, getting the awards for all the technical stuff, which makes sense. But the best picture, come on! I mean, seriously, it would make no oh, sense. What, to what would your reaction be, Richard? Just to practice. If he gets a best best picture nomination, I think I have to accept it already. He's gonna get it. <laughs> but, uh, but if he gets the, the awards of best picture over, for yeah. example. Everything yeah. all at once. Honestly, I, I would scream at the screen because it makes no sense whatsoever. I, and I think that everybody would agree with me, even people that, 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 that would be Richard's WTF moment. Yeah, exactly. that's the WTF. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. actually, I just remembered the WTF moment of the year was Will Smith. That was the WTF. Uh, yes, moment. yeah, which you watched yeah. live. I, you watched live. Yeah, well. that was a WTF mm. moment. That was. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so on that note, thank you to my co-host Richard and thank you to all our attendees today and thank you to listening to the filmandtvreview.com podcast. Until next time, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this filmandtvreview.com episode. Catch the latest film and TV reviews together with regular episode content from the world of film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.